0: Major support for this podcast comes from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, conserving our wild things and wild places for over 25 years. There's nothing like a summer day. You know, cloudless blue skies, a light breeze, sunshine. And the best part is being able to get outside and enjoy all of it with your dog. Now, because this is Texas and summer heat can be, let's say, intense, it's easy for you and Fido to overdo it. So we're arming you with some heat hacks in today's podcast. From Texas Parks and Wildlife, this is Under the Texas Sky, a podcast about nature and people and the connection they share. I'm Cecilia Nasty. Taking man's best friend on long daily walks doesn't have to be a chore, especially when you live near a Texas state park. With beautiful trails and plenty to see, you and your well-behaved pooch can get all the fresh air and exercise you desire. My colleague Stephanie Garcia with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Press Office takes her little dogs, Lucille and Norma Jean, on long walks in state parks, which makes her the perfect person to walk us through our first segment of the podcast about heat hacks for people and their pets when they're under the Texas sky.
1: When talking about summer in Texas, images of swimming holes, 100 degree heat, and time outdoors are usually the first things that come to mind. Every year, millions of Texans travel to one of 95 Texas state parks during the summer months to swim, hike, fish, and spend time in parks. With the large influx of visitors at parks during the dog days of summer comes a rise in calls to hospitals and park headquarters staff about heat-related illnesses in the outdoors.
2: We see it in a couple of ways. So the first will be uh, coming up here soon um, because uh, people become acclimated to the winter. And so when we start to see those first 80 and 90 degree days, people are not used to that.
1: Dr. Christopher Zabel is the medical director of the emergency department at Del Seton Medical Center in the University of Texas in Austin. Last year, Texas's temperatures soared to record highs. And staff at more than 40 Texas Parks and Wildlife Department sites handled 134 incidents relating to heat-related illnesses in humans and pets. These cases range from heat strokes to instances that are more life-threatening.
3: A lot of the visitors, they they underestimate it. It, It's not really limited to um, the young or the old or the frail. Uh, We've had some pretty fit people underestimate you know, the weather out here and get dehydrated and cause issues and we have to go and um, get them and bring them down.
1: Doug Cochran is a superintendent of Enchanted Rock State Natural Area in Fredericksburg. Enchanted Rock is named after the massive pink granite dome found at the park and is one of the main draws for the more than 250,000 visitors every year. Most park visitors who ventured through the hill country to Enchanted Rock set their sights on conquering the Mammoth Rock on the Summit Trail, which treats its conquerors to 360-degree views of the park and the Texas hill country from the 1,823-foot summit. The trail is just over 6 tenths of a mile, but consists of a steep climb to the top of the granite dome. During the peak visitation days in the summer months, Doug says the granite heats up because of its exposure to the sun. And causes unforeseen problems for hikers.
3: Last year, it was a kind of an anomaly as far as weather. We didn't get a lot of rain in the summer, and it got very, very hot right after Memorial Day. We reached uh, over 100 degrees, and it seemed like the oven didn't ever turn off till about September. Um, so we started taking some heat readings on the rock in the shade and then comparing it to what the rock temperature was. And even in the shade, The temperature was going to be um, upwards over 100 degrees. In the sun, the granite was over 150 degrees. That's hot for anybody, and um, it was very extreme.
1: Park staff began using these temperature readings to get the word out through their social media channels to visitors who were heading to the area, so they're aware that the ambient temperature of that day is different from the temperature of the granite underneath their feet
3: that temperature can rise very, very rapidly and if you underestimate it, you can have some issues. That granite's not very forgiving. One, it's very hard. Two, it absorbs all that heat and it takes a long time to dissipate. So, um, if it gets up to 150 degrees in the day, it takes all night. So, it may be 85 degrees in the morning and starts heating back up so it doesn't take very long to get hot again. So, um, just because the temperature may be 85 degrees, that temperature that granite may be closing to 100.
1: Between September 2017 and September 2018, Enchanted Rock State Natural Area staff responded to 15 incidents involving heat-related illnesses in humans and their pets. Among those, 12 of them were directly related to the weather. Dr. Zabel advises to learn the symptoms of heat-related illnesses.
2: Minor heat illnesses result in things like nausea and vomiting, sometimes some diarrhea, sometimes muscle cramping, um, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, And so if people are out in the heat and they start to get headachy and body achy and nauseous and start wanting to vomit, that's a pretty good sign that they need to move out of the heat and into a cooler area and take steps to actively cool themselves. Because ultimately, if that continues, it can progress to heat stroke, which is a, a condition where the consciousness becomes altered and um, it can actually uh, result in damage to your internal organs. And um, that's obviously not something we want. We don't want to have our liver or our kidneys failing because we let ourselves get too hot. I think the main thing is when you start to feel that sickness from the heat, that's a good time to stop and get out of the heat. Everybody that I see who has a heat stroke had a period of time where they felt really bad before they had their heat stroke. And so if they'd have taken advantage of the warning that their body was giving them at that time, there would have not been an issue.
1: Heed the warnings your body provides and listen to the good doctor regarding the best way to shield yourself from the intensity of a Texas summer.
2: Prepare for it, bring lots of liquids with you, have access to lots of liquids, recognize that what you sweat out is not pure water, so what you take in should not be pure water.
1: Water may seem like an obvious choice, but Dr. Zabel says it's not the best choice long-term when exerting oneself in the Texas heat.
2: To some extent, water's fine, but after a certain amount, you need some sort of electrolyte solution. So either um, replacement electrolyte solutions or some of the commercial things like Gatorade, Powerade, uh, that sort of thing. I know some diabetic folks who will use uh, Pedialyte because that's got the balanced electrolytes without the sugar. But if you're sweating out a lot of sodium, potassium, and chloride and you're taking in nothing but water, eventually you're going to wash away all of those and you'll develop hypokalemia, hyponatremia, and those are conditions that can result in a lot of those muscle cramps and spasming, and abdominal cramping and some of that kind of stuff.
1: The park staff at Enchanted Rock State Natural Area have begun taking some preventative steps to ensure that visitors are staying hydrated while out on the trail. Doug Cochran.
3: Well, uh, we routinely have um, water stations around the park on our loop Trail because there's nothing out there. And uh, we put five gallon buckets out there in five different locations, and those are usually empty by the end of the day. So that's 20 gallons of water that our visitors are, are, are using.
1: Keeping yourself hydrated is not the only thing visitors need to keep in mind. Dressing smart for a day in nature is also extremely important. It's recommended that anyone spending time outdoors wear light, loose-fitting, breathable clothing, a hat, correct shoes, sunscreen, and wet bandanas to keep you cool while in the sun.
2: You want clothes that are gonna both breathe and wick your sweat away. It's that evaporation of sweat that helps you to cool, so if the sweat is puddling and pooling in the type of clothing you're wearing, it's not allowing it to be effective for what nature designed it for.
1: Enchanted Rock Superintendent Doug Cochran says sometimes people who head to parks aren't wearing clothing that was made for the outdoors.
3: We've seen some really strange things out here. Uh, High heels, cowboy boots. Shower shoes, um, but uh, for the most part, people are wearing either tennis shoes um, or, you know, hiking boots. You don't have to wear hiking boots. It's it's good, but, you know, just a good pair of tennis shoes, a closed toed shoes that can grip would be sufficient.
1: Another member of the family impacted by the heat are the dogs that accompany their two-legged owners on their visit to the park.
3: Dogs don't perspire like we do. They pant and they, they perspire from their paws, you know, but you're wearing shoes and so you're a little bit insulated from the heat of the decomposed granite or the granite of the rock. The pet's not. So probably one of the best things you can do is put your hand on that granite or put your hand on that decomposed granite. If that's too hot for your hand, it's gonna be too hot for the dog.
1: Last year, in the span of a week, three dogs passed away because of heat-related illnesses.
3: We're all pet lovers here, and we took it very hard that uh, some pets died. Two dogs were with the same owner. They were indoor pets, and they were on the loop trail. And even though it's crushed granite there, it's still very, very hot. And uh, that same week, another pet passed away because of the heat, and the owners were devastated.
4: If you're
1: planning to take your pooch to the park, there are steps to take to make sure your dog's prepared for the outdoors. Dr. Bob Dittmar is the veterinarian for the Wildlife Division of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department.
4: Well, first off, dogs, much like people, need to acclimate somewhat to physical activity, particularly early in the summertime, in May, June, maybe even back into April. We tend to have a lot more humidity than later in the summer, even though the temperature may be higher, we have more humidity and it's more difficult for those pets, particularly dogs, to cool themselves in humid weather.
1: If you plan to hit the trail with Fido, and he's mostly an inside pet, take heed
4: if that pet's used to being indoors don't take them out for a 20-mile run or hike work up to that plan rest stops while you're out hiking to provide water and make sure those are in the shade so they have an opportunity to cool off make your pet rest don't allow them to continually be active with heat stroke you sort of get a cascade of events that happen and once they start it's hard to stop them so you want to try to prevent those from overheating before they start
1: Some pet owners believe that shearing a dog's thick fur coat during the summer months will keep it cooler.
4: And that's true, but there's an acclimation phase. The hair on a dog is much like wearing a hat outside. It protects you from the sun, and if you shear a dog and immediately expose them to sunshine, they're not going to tolerate it as well. They could actually become sunburned if it's a lighter skinned dog. And it takes a little while for them to adapt to that lack of protection that the hair provides from the sun, even though it does provide poor sun cooling. And you need to be alert for the signs of heat stroke happening. Like we said, watch out for those things and try to stop it before it becomes severe.
1: If you take your dogs on the trail this summer, look out for signs of dehydration.
4: A lot of those will go along with the same signs we saw in people. Now, if we're going to talk strictly about dehydration, it would be dry, tacky membranes in their mouth. And maybe their skin, when they start to become very dehydrated, would tent. Just like it does in people, when you pull up loose skin, it would not immediately go back to its flat shape. It would stand up and stay there. Once you're seeing signs of tenting in its skin, that animal's pretty dehydrated, and that's a serious event at that time.
1: Keeping pets hydrated is only one part of looking after your dogs while they're in the parks. Another common heat-related injury for pets in parks is blistered paws.
4: The blistered paws is probably going to require some kind of treatment. It may not be something that you need to address immediately, but it's going to be painful. You probably need to seek veterinary care for that pet quickly but it may or may not be an emergency at that particular time depending on the severity and that would probably require some antibiotics and some ointment and maybe even bandaging those feet till they heal probably should be done with the help of a veterinarian
1: in parks such as enchanted rock pet owners are being proactive to protect from blistered
3: paws. I've seen some people that planned ahead and they actually brought booties for their dog. That provides them some protection against the the very um, hotness of the decomposed granite or the granite.
1: So, if you do hit the trails this summer, here are some important tips to keep in mind before you lace up your hiking shoes for a day in a park.
4: Go prepared. Think about what you're gonna do. Allow your pet to acclimate and, and be in shape. Make sure you have water and a way to keep the pet cool. Never leave it unattended in the car. Even cracking the windows on a hot day are not going to be adequate to keep it cool. You might want to consider limiting activity, particularly during very hot weather, to early morning and late evening when the weather cools down. Make sure you have rest stops and that you watch that pet and make sure that it does rest. And then I think probably one of the most important things in this applies not necessarily just to heat related things, but follow the park rules. Keep your pet on a leash. Do all those things, and that will also help protect your pet, not only from heat related injuries, but other, other problems they might get into.
1: Good advice for pets from Dr. Bob Dittmar. And now, advice for people from Dr. Zabel.
2: Salty snacks contain the sodium chloride salt, so that does help replete the sodium and the chloride that you sweat out. It doesn't help us as much with potassium, so you want to be thinking about also maybe supplementing with some potassium rich fruits to have with you. So if you're going to be spending a day out on the lake, for example, salty chips are fine, having some beverages there, and then also some kind of fresh fruits to replete that potassium that you sweat out, doing all three of those together sunscreen would be great to keep. Wear headgear, some kind of a hat or something to provide shade. If you find yourself getting overheated, quickly cooling yourself is the, is the best thing to do. So uh, jump in the lake, take a cold shower, pour some water on your head, and then rehydrate, rehydrate, rehydrate.
3: Bring water, bring lots of water. 32 ounces of water for every person in your group for every hour you're gonna be walking out there. So if you're gonna do our loop trail, loop is four and a half miles long, takes about two hours, so you're gonna need half a gallon of water per person. You may think that that's a lot of water. Wouldn't you rather have too much water than not enough?
1: Find links to more heat hacks and outdoor safety tips on the Texas Parks and Wildlife website. Have fun in the sun this summer with your four-legged friends. I'm Stephanie Garcia.
0: This is Under the Texas Sky from Texas Parks and Wildlife. I'm Cecilia Nasty. Coming up, I catch up with the Neve siblings who are still trying to get outside together in 2019. And we have a shout-out to the wild from a podcast listener who had a revelation about the stars at night. But first... Support from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation allows us to bring you stories from under the Texas sky. In fact, since 1991, the foundation has raised more than $190 million to conserve the lands, waters, and wildlife of our state. You can help by becoming a member. Find out how at wewillnotbetamed.org. If you've listened to the podcast, you've probably come across Cassandra and Christopher Neve, the 20-something siblings who are estranged from the outdoors. For 2019, they pledged to spend more time in nature and share their adventures with us through their audio diaries. But things haven't worked out so well.
5: Now that Christopher has a full-time job, I have a full-time job and a part-time job. Our schedules are completely opposite. So finding time for us to go out has been... It's been difficult.
0: I invited the Neves to my home on a Sunday afternoon. It was the only day both had free together. I wanted to talk with them about some of the challenges they've had coordinating their schedules for outdoor adventures. Adventures that have been, in a word, fails.
5: I think every time we've gone out, something has gone wrong. We went fishing and we had an awesome time fishing and the wind was so bad, none of the audio was good. Um, We planned this whole day hike, and we're gonna go hiking up in McKinney Falls, and the rain did not stop at all to the point where all the trails were closed, so we couldn't do that. Um, And then this last time, Christopher and I remembered that we used to love going geocaching with the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and our family, and so we got excited. We found all these really awesome geocaches to go find, And that was at Perdinalis and we had no cell service and couldn't use (laughs) our app that we downloaded to help us find our geocaching. I mean, we enjoyed our day that day, but man, nothing went right.
6: Well, it's annoying, but you gotta kinda just push through it. Uh, I remember back in the day, we would used to like print out the geocaching location. If you had a GPS, it would still work. You didn't need cell phone service. And lately, whenever we tried to look some up, it was all like app-based on your phone. It was kind of like that was weird because I'm pretty sure when we were younger, mom would just Google, or what is it like, ask Jeeves or whatever it was, and be like, "Geocaching near me or near Austin," and then it would come up with like a printable page of, you know, start here, go that way, go that way, and you found it. And that's not how it is anymore.
5: <laughs> and this last time we went out to Pernellis was beautiful we didn't get to go geocaching and then we almost got what smothered to death with the smell of these flowers that we were walking through
6: we're just kind of checking them out you know yellow white some blue some red but the majority of it was that we remember is the smell because we were like oh look at all the pretty flowers and it's like nose twitching Cassandra's nose twitching and then like what is that smell and the deeper we got into this field of flowers, the worse it got, where we almost couldn't even breathe anymore. It just got super intense.
5: It really reminded us of the scene in The Wizard of Oz where they're walking through the poppies and fall asleep. Poppies. Poppies will put them to
0: sleep.
5: It was like walking through a field of grandmother's potpourri to the point where you just wanted to curl up a little bit and fall asleep in the middle of these flowers. And we didn't know if it was just us or if they had just bloomed or what. But the smell was intense and we we actually had to leave.
0: Despite their less than successful forays into the outdoors, siblings Cassandra and Christopher Neve are not giving up.
5: I just feel like we're pretty open and we'll try whatever we need to try. And if it's absolutely terrible and everything goes wrong, you know, we still are glad that we tried it. And we'll just
0: move on to the next one. Let's keep our collective fingers crossed that this delightfully dysfunctional duo can coordinate time together outdoors. And if you have suggestions for what you think they ought to experience in the great outdoors and keep it friendly, people, then send us a message. Find contact information on our website under the texassky.org. Rowanna Flowers of Austin went to UnderTheTexasSky.org recently and shared her shout out to the wild for the night sky over Texas.
7: Hi, I'm Rowanna Flowers. I'm a writer in Austin, Texas, and this is my shout out to the wild. Look, everyone in Dallas thinks they've seen it all. At 20, I certainly wasn't immune to this line of thinking. Before YOLO and FOMO were things people dared to type, let alone say out loud, I decided I was going to go to the desert to see Texas's so-called mountains, quote-unquote. By that time, I had already been to the Rockies and the Smokies. I had even seen the mountains of northern Wales. I wasn't expecting much. See, I thought I had seen West Texas, you know, flat, so flat it seems like you could see the curvature of the earth, on my way to better locales elsewhere. I had a tent, I had a bikini, I had a sports car. I was prepared to be overprepared and underwhelmed. And they were nice, you know, nice in a way I would have appreciated better before driving up Pack's Peak, but still nice for Texas. And then the sun went down. You know how the song goes, right? The stars at night are big and bright. I looked up at the sky right outside the McDonald Observatory's Visitor Center, and then I got dizzy. Dizzy and ditzy with so many stars, stars I didn't realize existed in the wild, so to speak, or at least outside the confines of an episode of Cosmos. I realized I had never actually seen the night sky. I hadn't seen it at all. As a matter of fact, I hadn't even seen a quarter, not even an eighth or a 56th of it. And then gravity said, sit down child. And I sat down right on the desert floor and cried. Now I've seen a lot of things since, but I haven't seen anything as beautiful, dizzy, stupefying, amazing, awesome as that. I go to Big Ben now every year. All right, let's all sing it together, right? The stars at night
0: are big and bright. Oh, come on. You know you want to. Let's try it again. The stars at night are big and bright. Keep in the heart of <laughs>
7: That's better.
0: Let us know what you love about the Texas outdoors in our Shout Out to the Wild segment. Just visit underthetexassky.org for contact information, like Groana Flowers of Austin did, and then tell us your story. We'll be in touch. And so we come to the end of another podcast. Under the Texas Sky is a production of Texas Parks and Wildlife and is available for streaming or download at underthetexassky.org and other places where you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Stephanie Garcia for her timely and useful heat hacks for you and your outdoor-loving doggies. We record the podcast in Austin, Texas at the Blockhouse, and Joel Block does our sound design. I'm your producer and host, Cecilia Nasty, reminding you that life's better outside when you're under the Texas sky. Major support for this podcast comes from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, conserving our wild things and wild places for over 25 years. Join us again next time for Under the Texas Sky.
7: The stars at night are big and bright! Keep the heart